Father, I just want to thank you, Father, this morning for the first Saturday of this third month. We just want to thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. And even as we come here this morning in your presence to the ministry of the Word of God, your Word says all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine. Therefore, teach us your ways. It is profitable for reproof. Show us where we are wrong. It is profitable for correction. Correct us, O Lord, from that straight and narrow path. From If you have deviated from that straight and narrow path. And for instruction and righteousness. And therefore keep us in that straight and narrow path. Because we are all prone to wander. Lord, we know it. Prone to leave the God we love. Therefore, take our heart. Seal it. Be with us through the meditation of the word of God. Speak to our hearts, anoint us, just not to hear, but to obey. Thank you, Father. Thank you. The anointing which teaches us all things and makes it relevant to every situation that we are going through. May that anointing rest over each one of us this morning. And Lord, prepare us, Lord, continuously for the days ahead. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory for in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. <clears throat> the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. This is the ESV translation. So in, or, in, or, in order for us to have an effective prayer life, Two important attributes are given. Self-controlled, sober-mindedness. Why? Because the end of all things is near. That is the reason why Jesus was saying, watch and pray. How do you watch? Only those people who are self-controlled or are sober-minded are watchful. And that is when you are really able to pray. Meaning self-control, you, you have a uh, Control over your senses. That is the reason why the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Different translations use self-control or self-discipline. And I remember several years back, one of my professors, uh, he made a statement during our class. He said, self-discipline is a free man's yoke. <laughs> you are free, but one thing, one yoke we ha all have to carry is a yoke of self-discipline because the end is near. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Yes, we've been look, looking at um, the aspect that we are in the last days. Bible talks, it, talks about it as perilous times. Perilous times. Now, if you want to uh, see, if we look at the effects of uh, of the perilous times, you will see the effects uh, all around the world. And if you if you try to zero in onto the problem, what is the reason why we have all the turmoil all around the world? The cause, yes, yes, Jesus is coming back soon. That is one of the reasons, of course. But who caused this? What is the cause? The cause, um, uh, I think it was Chesterton, Chesterton, right? Chesterton, right? When somebody asked him to write an essay on what is wrong with the world, he replied with one sentence saying that, I am wrong with the world, yours faithfully, G.K. 
just we are the problem hmm? perilous times what is the problem though where why do we see what is happening so how do we actually zero in on will we look at all the things around us that is happening around us when we have to do a diagnosis as to why it is happening we have to come back to the elements the elementaries right we have to come back to ourselves and uh, Paul has a reason, as an as an answer as to why these times of difficulty come. Second Timothy chapter three, and verse one onwards. Let's read a few verses and understand. But know this: that in the last days, okay, the end of all things, perilous times. Other translations we will use the word fierce times. Um, one of the translations uh, will use distressful times of intense stress. Not may come, will come. It is inevitable. It is inevitable. They have to happen. And uh, the Amplified Bible actually amplifies it even more, better. But understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times, okay, of great stress and trouble, which will come difficult days that will be hard to bear. It will come. It's promised. And of course, um, this word, particular word fierce or perilous is used in another place in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 8, uh, verse 28. It says, when he had come to the other side, to the country of the, of the Gadarenes or the Gergeshines, there met him two demon-possessed, two demon-possessed, okay? The, the word for men is in italics, do you understand that? Do you, do you see that? It's, it's not there in the original, okay? Just, just keep that in mind, okay? We'll come back to that later, later on because I just want to show you an interesting twist in today's plot, Okay? Coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no one could pass that way. The word exceeding fierce is the same word for perilous times. And uh, what is the uh, reason that they are exceedingly fierce? Because they are demon-possessed, demonized. The word for, for a word in Greek is daimonizomai, which means under intense demonic influence. The minds and the bodies have been taken over by the demonic. That's essentially what he's saying. So if you if you just try to summarize what is the first verse trying to say, it says, times of stress will be there. It will be times of trouble. And the third, the reason is, times of increased demonic activity, which will precipitate ultimately in the rise of the man of lawlessness, the one who is going to be uh, incarnated by Satan himself. The man of lawlessness will come. It will precipitate into that final event where the Antichrist will arise. Times of increased demonic activity. That's the reason why Jesus warns and he says, like as in the days of Noah, so will be the days of the Son of Man when he come, when he returns. And what is happening in the days of Noah? It says the sons of God looked at the daughters of men and took for themselves wives, whomever they chose. That means there is going to be a influence of the demonic into the into the human level, into the human realm. So that's what we are seeing also in and we, of course, we've been warned. But of course, the why are these perilous times coming? What is the reason? You know, if you read the epistle of epistles of Paul, the one word which reoccurs many times. If I were to ask you, what is that one word that reoccurs many times, which I like the most? The word for <laughs> exactly <laughs> for <laughs> the word is for. Reason, because, in other words, because, if you, if you, if you see the, this is basically how logic is, is developed, for, because, for, you have, even when you're writing 
programs you use a lot of for loops right for right for men because men will be lovers of themselves and he goes on to enlist 18 attributes of the why do we have these perilous times ultimately it is because of men the reason is we all all of us in our own way we have contributed for the perilous times okay in our own way <laughs> okay he said we have put in our might for so that this perilous times come Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, mm-hmm. unthankful, unholy. I just stop there. Disobedient to parents. No, during the time of Apostle Paul, it was there. Now it is continuing. Okay, unloving. Other translations will use the word without natural affection. They don't have natural affection. Unforgiving. Other translations will use the word truce breakers. Slanders. I mean, you see, I mean, if you, if you try to analyze a particular verse in different, different translations, you get a incredible rendering of a beautiful picture as to what will be, uh, the, 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 um, the symptoms, if you will, of men uh, living in the last days. Slanderers without self-control. And that is the reason why Jesus, uh, uh, Paul, uh, Peter is warning us, be self-controlled and sober-minded because of your prayers for the sake of your prayers. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong. Haughty. Lovers of pleasure. You see that again? So, and if you look at why was Moses successful in his life as, uh, in, in a spiritual walk, because he did not choose the pleasures of sin, passing pleasures of sin, okay? Pleasures of sin. You see, you need to understand, there are three deliverances we all talk about, right? When Jesus came, why was he called Jesus? Because he's going to save his people from his, from their sin. Now, when we talk about sins, we talk about sin, the, the penalty of sin. The second one we talk about is the power of sin. And the third one we talk about is the presence of sin. Ultimately, will be, uh, will be delivered from the presence of sin itself. But if you want to overcome the power of sin, you know what you should overcome? Yeah, the pleasure of sin. You see? The pleasure... And sin is very, very pleasurable. I mean, that is the reason why it is, we, we commit sin. Why? Because we love it. It gives us pleasure. Even though, albeit for a moment. Yeah, it's like the Pharaoh, right? Frogs all around. When do you want the frogs to be removed from your, from your hometown? Tomorrow. <laughs> not, not, he doesn't say today. Not now. He wants to enjoy that, that uncleanness for one last night, one last puff. Because it gives you pleasure. So if you want to be, if you want to really overcome the power of sin, one of the things that you have to overcome is the pleasure of sin. And what do you need to do is replace the pleasures of sin with the pleasures of God. Okay. And when, when are you really pleased? When God is pleased. And without faith is impossible to please God. What gives God pleasure will ultimately give you pleasure too. It should give you pleasure. That is the reason why it says at his right hand are pleasures forever. No. You can experience that Ultimately, when you go to heaven in, in its fullest form, but in a microcosm, even on this side of eternity, uh, it's, that is the reason why I think it was uh, Timoth- uh, Thomas Chalmers who wrote this very interesting essay called The, Ex- the Expulsive Power of a Competing Affection. Expulsive Power of a Competing Affection. Okay. Okay. Remember that story about John who was dressed shabbily until he fell in love? You yeah. know? He's clean shaven. Now he also puts aftershave and deodorant. Why? Because he fell in love. <sighs> to give pleasure to the other person gives him joy. See, that is essentially. So, 
They have a form of godliness, but they don't have power. And from such people turn away. And you know, and he goes on to say, he doesn't, he doesn't just stop there. He goes on to explicitly mention as to what is empowering this love of self. Hmm? Three things he talks about. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, and lovers of pleasure. And how do we overcome the last days? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, word of the testimony, and they did not love themselves even until death. That is your, that is the way you overcome. They became lovers of themselves, lovers of money, and lovers of pleasure. And then he says, what is empowering? What is animating? What is a spirit which is animating this self-life? You see, there is another interesting statement, interesting word. What is that word? For. Yeah, thank you. For. For. You see, for. Of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women Loaded down with sins, led away by various lives. He's, he's describing these kinds of people. They are led away by various lusts. Always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth, meaning they are at least ostensibly religious. Then he goes on to say, who are these people? Now as Janus, know what the word for Janus means? He vexed. That's what the word Janus means. You know, Jambres means foamy healer. F-O-A-M-Y. Foam means nothing, no substance. Okay. Yesterday we went to a place for having dinner and then the children offered, uh, uh, sorry, uh, ordered for chocolate, what is that? Milkshake. No? In the milkshake top part, kya hai? foam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, it, it actually looks so full, but it's not full, it's full foam. Half is foam and half is milkshake. They whip it up nicely. So that the foam is formed, right? I'm sorry, the, the, the baker is looking at me. <laughs> that is the reason why the baker was hanged. Sorry. <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. Sorry, okay. That was just, that was an aside. <laughs> the cup bearer and the baker. Baker, baker, they foam up things, no? They put yeast and foam up. So, and, and the children, you know what, what, what children love? You know what children love? Foam? They finished the entire milkshake and Abigail says, no, I want to have the foam too. I said, what is so tasty about the foam? So I was also trying to eat the foam. And it's just nothing there. Nothing. You see, exactly what he's talking about. Janus and Jambres. One, he is vexed and they are foamy. They have no substance. What do they do? They resist Moses. Now, there's a, there's a, I was preparing another kind of a, a teaching for how, what is the effect of these people? And maybe that will be a diff- different teaching altogether, but I just don't want to, uh, delve, delve into that today. So they resisted Moses. So do these men also resist truth. You need to understand something. In resisting Moses, whom did they resist? To the truth. In resisting the man of God, whom did they resist? No, you know, one of the perf- the, if you read the entire Bible, the first person who was sent, the, who was the first apostle, if I were to ask you, what do you, what will your answer be? No, wrong answer. No. The first person in the Bible who was sent was Joseph. He sent a man before them, Moses, Joseph, etc., etc. Okay, the first sent person. And you know, if you look at the characteristics of the sent person, you know what they say? Here am I. Khoneni, I'm available, right? And of course, then again, you have, um, uh, 
the next person who was sent, of course, is Moses. He's the first apostle, if you will, the apostle who was sent to bring bring out the message of 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 deliverance and of salvation, right? So you need to understand. Call. There is a call. I mean, how uh, all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call? About whom they have not heard. How will they hear? No, no, no. Whom they have not believed. How how will they call upon him who they have not believed? How will they believe whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach if they are not sent? So if you see, there are five attributes over here. The five levels. First is send. Then is preaching. Then is hearing. Then is believing. Then is calling. You understand? Further sending. Then there is preaching. Is through the foolishness of preaching. You save people. Then there is hearing. Then there is believing. Then there is calling. So if you look, what, look at what they are doing. They are resisting the sent person. In resisting the sent person. They are resisting the call of God. You understand that? Okay. So we are not uh, delving too deep into that. But just that is just an aside. So what are these people? They are people who resist Moses. In resisting Moses, they resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. Ultimately, you will be, they will be exposed. They will be exposed one day or the other, one way or the other. Now or sometime, definitely in the future, they will all be made manifest. But if you look at this, if you look at the entire aspect, you know the entire this entire passage starts off with this interesting word that Paul mentions. He says, "In the last days, perilous times will come of increased demonic activity." Now, if you want to, if you want to understand the times that we are living in, and at your own personal level, and in, in the in the immediate uh, spheres of influence that you are exposed to, you will see. That this, these demoniacs who were there in Gadarenes, they have, there are several things that are mentioned about these demoniacs. And if you look at uh, the, the story of the demoniac or the episode of the demoniac is uh, mentioned in how many Gospels? Three, three Gospels. Matthew, Mark and Luke. All three Gospels mention about the demoniac. It's mentioned in Matthew chapter 8. It's mentioned in Luke's Gospel chapter 8 and Mark's Gospel chapter 5. And if you study this fellow, this demoniac, several attributes are mentioned about this fellow. The manifestations of a man who is under this increased demonic activity. Several things are mentioned. And I'm going to show those, 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 uh, those attributes in different, under different headings for us to recognize the times of that, that, that we are living in and eventually, uh, uh, examine our own hearts and See if you are, if you need deliverance and then move ahead. So let us look at, uh, the, this demoniac. So I, I, I underlined, I put him under different headings. The first thing which I want to talk about is the dwelling place of the demoniac. The dwelling place of the demoniac. Where does he live? You know, so you need to understand this is very important. This is very important. Okay. So when, when God created, uh, the cre- when we made the creation, uh, what did he do? He said, he created the fish, right? And where did he put the fish? In water. As long as the fish are in their habitation, okay, you will be okay. And again, he made Adam and Eve and he created Adam and Eve and he put them somewhere in the Garden of Eden. And he gave a specific command to Adam. What What is the specific command given to Adam? To keep it 
and to tend it. The word for keep is to guard. And the tendest is to ensure that you maintain discipline, the order of in, in which the place was uh, initially created. So what did Adam not do? He forgot to guard. See, that is a sin of omission. And what did Eve eventually do? She forgot to submit. Rather, she did not submit. So, the moment you, so he says, the moment you come out of this hedge that I've created, you are in for big trouble. Dwelling place is important. That is the reason why in Psalm 90, Moses writes, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. As long as you are in the dwelling place of where God has placed you in the hedges, the protection that God has placed you under, you are safe. Otherwise, you are in for big trouble. So let us understand the dwelling place of the demonic. How did he reach this position that he was in? <clears throat> First, the four uh, places that the different all the four, three gospels talk about. First, he was dwelling in where? Mountains. Second, in the wilderness. Third, tombs. And fourth, not in the house. Fourth. Okay. It's, and this is, this is actually decadence going in a very methodical way. Now yeah, from mountains to the wilderness to the tombs and away from the house. Away from the house, I should have put it, but that is the reason I just, I just, uh, yeah, that is the reason we are not in the house and therefore you end up in mountains, wilderness and ultimately you come to the tombs. So, so let us understand what these mountains are. Mountains. So, where is where is where is this mentioned? It is mentioned in Mark's Gospel, chapter five, verse five. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar off, he ran and worshipped him. So, you could see Jesus from a far distance. Why? Because he was on the mountains. Now, what is these mountains? What are these mountains? See, if you read the entire account of the old covenant. This episode happens in a place called Gadera, where the the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half the tribe of Manasseh, they did not want to enter into the promised land. They said, you know what? We like this grass over this side. All we can think about is grass. Okay. Only one essay we know. What is that? Cow. I have a cow whose name is Mao. That's all. Even if I ask you to write about uh, aeroplane, you will say... I went in the aeroplane and I was flying in the aeroplane. From the aeroplane, I saw my cow. <laughs> and you start writing about Mao. Right? And all you can think about is cow eating grass. That's exactly what these people th- thought about. All the time, okay, this is what we have. This is absolutely fantastic for us. We don't want to go on to the other side. But where is the promised land? On the other side. Where are you supposed to overcome and deli- and uh, and uproot and deliver? On the other side. So, Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Very interesting. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 12 verses 1 onwards. These are the statutes and the judgments or ordinances, other translations will use, which you shall be careful to observe in the land the Lord your God is, uh, Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. Okay. And then goes on. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess served their gods on high mountains and on the hills and are under every green tree. So what is this high mountains? These are places where they worshipped other gods. That means these are mountains in our hearts where we have raised up idols other than God. 
idols of success, of prosperity. Okay, that is the reason why Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters, God or mammon. What is that? If you have your legs in two, breech, two legs, you'll be, something will happen at their breaches. Huh? What is it? You'll be, something will happen to your breaches. You're split in the any other breaches. Exactly. You can't serve. So what are, what is happening over there? They these are mountains. They have increased, they have raised about raised a mountain or an idol above God. They started serving other gods. That is the reason why Joshua says, Choose you this day which gods you will serve. Or the gods of your of your of Abraham when he lived on the other side of Egypt, sorry, of your fathers when they lived on the other side of Egypt, or the gods which these nations were worshipping, you shall you serve, or the God of of your father you you choose and he says as for me as and my house we will choose to serve yahweh so what do they do they serve gods and i'll tell you something this is essentially the reason why we are in big trouble is because we have started serving other gods and one of the biggest god we have served in our country is education and in the west it is prosperity and success oh, remember somebody said no they said one German, one scientist. Two Germans, two scientists. Three Germans, third world war. Okay. One American, one business. Two Americans, two business. Three Americans, paradise on earth. Okay. One Indian. Philosopher. Two Indians, argument. Three Indians, confusion. Full gods. So we, we worship different gods. And, and what, I remember, you know, Justin was working in one of the software company, I mean, companies, the multinational companies here. And uh, they had this, when they were promoted to the manager level, no? They have this, uh, this, they spoil you with um, all these five star experiences, no? And they'll call all these talker, talkers, okay? <laughs> People who give talk from the West as to how should women advance their career. So this girl, this lady from the US comes and she's talking to all the Indians and she says, you know something, uh, my husband and I, you know, and I was actually uh, in for a promotion and I realized that I became pregnant. And so I had a discussion with uh, my husband and my husband had a discussion and we said, you know what, uh, right now it is important for you to climb up this corporate ladder. So let us go in for abortion. And you know, we were so... And, you know, you should have understanding husbands like that. Who will... And these are people from the West who come and all these gullible women. Ah, it is nice because white women, women told. This is true. This is exactly what they do. Serving other gods. Success is most important. Money is important. Publications are important. And if you have to listen, you have to sit in conferences, when you go and sit with professors in conferences, all they can talk is how to get the next grant. Next grant, how, how, how should we, how should we write the proposal so that we can get the next grant? And if you're a professor in America, you're a, basically a dog. You're only paid for nine months, you know that? It's very easy to be a professor in India. There, publish or perish is taken literally. Nine months you'll be paid. For three months you have to generate your own funds. And you call, what we call a tenure track. That means in five years, if you do not publish well and you haven't had sufficient number of PhDs working under you and you have not gotten sufficient grant for your projects, you're asked to leave. And you should see the pressure. 
you should see the pressure on professors when they are in, in, in universities abroad. I've seen that in, in some level or the other. So what do they do? These are, what is this mountains? Mountains are idols that have been raised. You've turned your attention from God and you've started worshipping success, what have you, relationships, some people. Some people, anything which takes the place of God for that, essentially. And he says, you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images. Again, Jeremiah says the same thing. He says, my people have, for, have committed two evils. They says, he says, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, which cannot hold any water. And you look, look at how he describes the broken cistern. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 20. For of old I have broken your yoke and burst your bonds, and you said, I will not transgress, when on every high hill and are under every green tree you lay down playing the harlot. You see? This is essentially what mountains stand for. Where is he living? In the mountains. This guy is a worshipper, by the way. He's worshipping. When he comes and sees Jesus, he sees Jesus from afar and he worships Jesus. This is what, what kind of a worship that is. We don't want to, that is obviously not the true worship. He's a worshipper. Let me tell you something. We are all worshippers. We are made to worship. If you are not worshipping God, we will bow down to something else. Ultimately, Psalm 115 will say, we will become like the people whom we worship. If you worship God, we will become like him. If you worship idols which are dumb, you'll become dumb. If you worship idols which cannot speak, oh sorry, which cannot hear, you'll become deaf, deaf to hearing the true God and etc. Jeremiah chapter 2, <clears throat> again goes on to say, Yet I have planted you a noble wine, a seed of highest quality. Now how then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien wine? For though you wash yourselves with lye and use much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before me. Says the Lord. So, where is he living? He's living in mountains. Because he has turned his back on God. What has happened? Now that becomes a bondage now. I'll tell you now. Work is bondage. I can tell you. Because I know what I'm talking about. See, you just sit there and you are. You are engrossed with it. It just takes takes you over. Just forget the whole world. And that is the reason why, where are you? You are not in the house. Where are you? Homes get destroyed. Because you put something else which is other than God. Homes get destroyed. You cannot live in the home. Because that is your primary objective now. Second, from mountains, where is he going to? He's going to what we call as wilderness. These are all spiritual places, wilderness. Second, he talks about wilderness. Look at, this is mentioned in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for he had often seized him, and he was, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds, and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Now, this is not driven by the spirit into the wilderness to be tested of the devil, No. This is driven by the demon into the wilderness. And what is a wilderness? Wilderness is a place of no spiritual nourishment, spiritually speaking. And ultimately, what do you become? You become exposed to the demonic. Jeremiah chapter 17 talks about this. Look at what it says. Cursed, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man, who makes flesh his strength. These are all idols. Mm -hmm. Whose heart departs from the Lord. That is the reason why we say, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Augustine who made the statement, he says, the heart is a what factory? Idol factory. Whose heart departs from the Lord. Why do you see perilous times here in the world? Because people are lovers of some, themselves, their heart has been replaced by their own self. They've been taken captive by the devil to do his will. And what is his will? Your will. 
And he says, verse 6, For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but but shall inhabit the what places? The parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, which is not inhabited. Absolutely, you are absolutely by yourself. You're alone. There's no spiritual nourishment. There's no, no water of the word of God, no spirit of God to nourish you. But on the other side, Jeremiah chapter 17 will say, Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its root by the river and will not fear when the heat comes. Why will he not fear when the heat comes? When the, when the testing, what is heat? A symbol of, it is a symbol of testing, of affliction, of trial. Why will he not? Because, because this leaf is green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. Why? Because he is planted by the rivers of water. And why is, what does it mean? What does rivers planted by the rivers of water mean? We know it from Psalms 1 verse uh, 1 to 3, right? He shall be, verse 3 will say, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Who are these people who are planted by the rivers of water? These are the people who just not meditate upon the law. They delight in the law and they meditate. That is the reason why when Jesus comes, he says, sacrifices and burnt offerings you did not desire. What did he say? A body you have prepared for me. Burnt offerings you do not desire. But I have come to do your will, O God. And your law is within my heart, he says. You delight. He is just not only delighting in the law of the Lord. He And, and because he is delighting, he is meditating upon the law of the Lord. And therefore he is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. But the exact opposite of this is a guy who walks in the counsel of the ungodly. Who stands in the way of sinners. And who sits in the seat of the scornful. And he says he'll be like a chaff that the wind blows away. Because he's not in a place of nourishment. Wilderness is a place where you're not nourished by the word. A place away. You know, it's very interesting, right? When Abraham is called to make the altar, the first altar he builds is in what we call as a place called Shechem. You know what the word Shechem means? Shechem means shoulder. That is the reason why Jesus says, come to me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me and you will find rest for your souls. The first place he comes is the place called Shechem. He builds an altar over there. And then he moves a little further. He goes to a place and then he builds an altar at between Bethel and... No, 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 no. Two different places. He builds a, an altar between Bethel and I. I is what? The world which essentially means desolate. A wilderness. And where does he build his altar? He builds an altar exactly between Bethel, which is the house of God, and I. And exactly where you build, build your altar, your altar is essentially between the house of God, which is a church, and I, where the place you, where you work. Of course, now, house, your, your house has become the place of work. So, but between the I and Bethel, where, where do you, what do you have? You have an altar. And when, when he's tested, he goes down to Egypt and then he's restored, he comes back. And where does he come back to? He comes back to the altar, which he placed, or rather, which he built between Bethel and I. And that's, that's essentially what we do. We are asked to go into the world. But as a place of nourishment, as a place called Bethel, which is a place of nourishment. And where should your altar be? Between Bethel and I. You see, the most deciding factor in my life was not the Sunday service. You know what it was? What it was? The midweek service. You know where I got received the call of God? Not in the Sunday service. The midweek service. It was a deciding factor in my life. 
Understand this. A lot of people, they don't have time for God. They're so busy. Tell you something, you know, you, you go away from the house of God. It's a place, it's a wilderness, there's no nourishment. So he, when you start worshipping idols, you go, you drives you away from the presence of God. And what happens now? All that is left is wilderness. There's no nourishment. There's no spiritual nourishment. You're absolutely dry and you're work, walking and working on what we call as dry fumes. And you're open, open to the demonic. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 12. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it goes through what places? Dry places. So it doesn't find. What is it searching for? What is the unclean spirit searching for? No, no. It's looking for dry places. What is the wilderness? It's called a parched place. means dry place. So it comes back with what? Seven more demons. Including that fellow is eight demons. That means a new start. A new demonic start. Okay. Why? Why does it come back to this position? Why does it come back to the house? Because it sees that the house is empty. There's no water. There's no cleansing. There is no word at all. There's no spirit and there's no word. It comes back and you are more worse than you first began. And that is a danger many believers face. You know what? They've been delivered. But now they're in increased bondage. It doesn't happen to the people in the world. It happens with believers. See, getting delivered is one thing and walking in your deliverance is a total different ballgame altogether. Strive to enter your na- through the narrow means, agonize. It is so easy to fall. You know something? Have you seen, for you, some sins are so difficult to overcome but some unbelievers, they don't even have those problems. Did you see that? It doesn't bother them. For you it is difficult. And then you wonder, Lord, why is that? You know, because... You are my child. I'm proving to you over and over again in the laboratory called you. you see, I'm telling you, you know, something biggest laboratory of your life is you. I was reading some time back this book by Charles Spurgeon called Lectures to My Students. You know what he says? A student has to be, he says, he has to be well read. But he's not. if he's not given to reading, one thing he has to constantly keep doing is read his own life. And when he reads his own life and he sees the work of God in his own life, he will actually have a lot of content to preach. Which is true. (laughs) Very lot of content to preach. Of course, if he has overcome. Not if he has gotten defeated, it's different. So he goes from where? From the mountains to the wilderness. And the third stage is what? The tombs. Very interesting. Mark's Gospel chapter 5. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of, uh, him a man who came out of the, oh no, think about it, no, think about it. There was this, um, Masila Manigaru. You know how many of you heard this guy called Masila Mani? He was a very, very famous preacher, Telugu preacher. He wrote this book, no? Nadi Pinchu Nanava. No, that's uh, famous Masila Manigaru. In one of his teachings, in his sermons, he, made, he gives this very interesting, uh, story that happened in in Andhra those days. So this guy, uh, he has this business of making coffins. So he gets a call, <laughs> he gets a call from the neighboring village saying that uh, somebody passed away in his church and uh, please can you make a coffin and bring it. So he makes a coffin but unfortunately that his transport vehicle gets spoiled and the burial is in the evening. 
so he has to take the coffin as as soon as possible so he he's on the main road and he's asking for a lift right so people are looking at this guy with the coffin in his hand and they are they don't want people with the coffin them especially in india they have this thing you know remember recently we went to this place where we wanted to rent a place for our school and he says you know brother this is a graveyard this was a graveyard nobody wanted to come here therefore the land was very cheap i purchased it it was a christian who bought it okay <laughs> they have this this thing about about graveyard so this guy was with a coffin and they would looked at this guy with a coffin and just looked turned the other way and went finally there was you know he was getting frustrated he had to reach this village in town by this time and then then suddenly he sees this uh, truck driver who's driving his truck on this he says jesus saves bulk at likawa on that truck no and then he says stops it man he says oh he says what do you want uh, you know there's a burial service can you please uh, help me to uh reach the reach the village he says get on the truck so he goes to the back of the truck he puts the coffin there and he sits next to it, the coffin and he's driving suddenly it starts raining so he doesn't know what to do because it's an open truck so he gets into the coffin and he closes himself because he wants to protect himself from the rain and uh, on the even as he's driving to this village uh, several other people with umbrellas are standing so they also don't get transportation so they start to stop this truck and say please can you take take us to the other village so they also get into the truck <laughs> and suddenly after a while the rain stops and this fellow is suffocated inside the inside the truck inside the coffin so he opens the coffin and he comes out and these people <laughs> they jump out of the moving truck and they and the die no <laughs> so, so, all this to tell you it is not easy just imagine you go to the graveyard and there's an open tomb suddenly one fellow is running out of it what will your response be Yeah. <laughs> this is like exactly when he had come out of the word immediately the word I, I i like the word in mark no mark one word which keeps on occurring is the word immediately 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 okay immediately this fellow <laughs> comes out of the tomb he is rushing out of the tomb and he meets him and you know if you are not jesus because jesus already knows whom he is beating i think you will have a heart attack and you will become shane warn okay and you will die are <laughs> great man no sinon has to come in the message no are <laughs> i remember those days when he was thrashed by vinod kambli for three sixes in a line okay but that was a long time back when vinod kambli was in form okay who had his dwelling among the tombs so he was living in the tomb and he was dwelling among the tombs and a tomb is essentially a place of uncleanness the word for tomb you know jesus called tells the pharisees he says you are whitewashed tombs you appear fantastic on the other side but in, internally you are full of dead man's bones and all kinds of uncleanness and lawlessness you see we are a people who actually are a people who live in tombs and we are people and dwelling dwelling among people who are tombs essentially that is the reason why isaiah when he looks at the glory of god he says i am a man of unclean lips not only that i live among the people who are who are unclean it's essentially the the order of the day is people are unclean in their lips they cannot speak one word men and women alike without a curse word i mean several years back 
my college days, I mean, I used to look at the girls in my class and I used to really, really have respect for them. Honestly. And we, uh, of course, engineering colleges, we have more boys than girls. We had three girls in our class. No? Malini, Reddy. What is that other? Uh, Zenith and uh, Aisha. Three girls. They are so conservative. Everybody, when you look at them and you say, boy, and now I was in IIIT for, for eight years. From starting from the first batch to the last batch, the dresses got tighter and shorter. Living in those days. They have, they don't have unclean lips, they have unclean things in between their lips. What is that? What is that? Sutta. Huh? I mean here, right here in our Apna Adda. There is a place called the tomb in Abnada. Men and women go into the tomb too with the unclean thing among, between their lips. You know that? You know who is there in the tomb? There is one God called. Who? Trinetrudu. Who is that? Ah, yes. You know, very well. The all-seeing guy is there inside. <laughs> <laughs> You see, we are dead. What does it mean? Tomb is, what does it mean? It's a process of irreple, I mean, it's ir- in, it's an irrecoverable process. It's incorrigible. It's totally corrupt. You cannot reverse it completely. It's gone. It's from where? From the house to the mountains to the wilderness to the tomb. That's your trajectory. That's exactly what happens to people. Where do they, where do they go from? They leave the house of God, they go to the mountains and start worshipping other idols, and from there they go to parched places which they are not being fed with the word of God, there's no spirit in their lives, and ultimately they end up in tombs, completely degenerate, completely corrupt now. Dead in their trespasses and their sins. They're ir- incorrigible. Be careful, be careful, my dear brothers. Don't leave the house of God. What happens to the prodigal? What happens to the prodigal? In as far as his father is concerned, his prodigal son is what? Dead. Corrupt. Completely. What has, what has happened? He, he did not worship idols. He worshipped pleasure. From, from his father's house, he went on a high. And from the high to the wilderness, and from the wilderness to the pig's den, the tomb. That's a trajectory of people who leave their father's house. Come back, come back, come back in these last days. Perilous times. Why are these perilous times? Because people have left their father's house. Understand that. And if you, and we as believers, we need to understand, the moment we leave the father's house, we have no power like Samson. Our our power is only as long as we are within that place. No, that's where Samson hides. I don't know what the place is. I forget that name in Judges chapter 15. As long as you're in that place of protection, you're in a place of anointing, you're safe. Otherwise, you are open to all kinds of attack. Stay, 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 stay. Stay in the father's house. Ephesians chapter 2 will say this. And you, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. The word for lust is very interesting. The will of our flesh. The will of the mind. This is what I feel. This is what I think. This is what I do. 
You know why? Because you do not know what the will of God is. Because you are not in the place of God. You are not in the house of God. How will you understand the will of God if you are not in the place of teaching? Of constant nourishment? Of isolation? Isaiah chapter 1. Look at how Jesus, I mean, God describes the children of Israel. He says, Alas, sinful nation, a people, what? Laden with iniquity. Meaning, you're oozing iniquity now. Oozing lawlessness and iniquity. A brood of evildoers. Children who are, you don't just corrupt. You cause corruption for them. You are the reason for corruption, in other words. You are corruptors. They have what? The reason? They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the anger of the Holy One of Israel. And they have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. And the whole heart faints. And what do you have? From the sole of your foot to even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. So from the wilderness, sorry, from the mountains, to the wilderness, to the tomb, the reason, because you are not in the house. You are not in the house. Look at what it says. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time and he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in tombs. And you know what David says? Hmm. One thing I have desired. What is that? What is that one thing I have desired? Look at what it says in Psalm 27. Psalm 27 verse 3 onwards. Though an host should encamp, encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. There's war raging. There's a host. There's a demonic host raging against the church of God. And why is the church of God protected? There's one thing the church of God is protected. Reason? One thing. I have I desired of the Lord. That I will seek after. You have to desire it and you have to also. There is nothing like desiring and not seeking. It is impossible. A lot of people desire. because, But they do not seek. You know, there is a very interesting word in Telugu. You have a lot of desire. But you don't have the power to back up your desire. To obey. You will not seek. You waste your resources. Because you are not focused on that one thing. Let me tell you something. If you don't worship the true God, you will begin to worship other what? What? Gods with a plural. Ultimately, ultimately, you know what? You'll become like Solomon. Pleasure, mirth, madness, projects, wisdom, and what did he say? With much, with much wisdom comes much grief. <laughs> and then, you know what he says? All this is one word. What is that? You know what the word for marriage is? In the Hebrew? Abel. Empty. You know why is Abel accepted? Because he says, I am empty, Lord. I am empty. Habel, Habel, Habel means vanity, vanity. Lord, I am vain, I am vain without you. I am empty without you. That's what Hebel means. What, you know what Cain, Cain means? Possessed. You have no place for God. Just, just, just look at that. I mean, you see, if you read the Bible, every word has a meaning. Vanity, Lord. 
And in what? Ultimately, Solomon searches for wisdom. He searches for pleasure. He searches for women. He searches for marriage. He searches for all things. And he says, vanity, vanity. The end of all this is one thing. Fear the Lord and remember his command. Keep his commandments. And he says, remember your creator. When? In the days of your youth. When you have all the energy. You know something? We have to envy our children, no? We have to really envy our children because they grew up in the church. Abigail, Aman, what's her name? Joanne, Emanuela, Sarah. All these people, they just grew up in the church. I'll tell you something. Observe these children and observe children from other places. You will find a stark difference in their conversations. Sometimes, of course, we have to put a check on them, but that's still okay. They're teachable. The conversations, the kind of talks that they have, the kind of things they discuss, I've never heard any unclean things coming out of their mouth. But you talk to other people from, not just other places, I'm talking about other churches, you should see the conversations that boys have. PUBG. PUBG. I said, what is PUBG? Sir, uh, I know about this game, sir, but I never played, sir. I never played. I never played. You know, the guilty are afraid. <laughs> you see, I never played, sir. I never played. But how do you know about this game? My cousin told me about it, sir. You just have to listen to their conversation. Gently. Gently, okay? Don't fear, intimidate them. Let, that, let them just get it out of their system. Huh? See, PUBG. Huh? Okay. PUBG. Mm-hmm. They know. Mommy, there's a software update which is going on in the computer. Don't shut down. 11 year old kid, not even 11 years now. I said, how do you know this is after? Sir, I just didn't uh, shut it down, sir. That update was running, sir, because again, my mother doesn't know, sir. How to get all this out of this generation now? Wise as a serpent. You know what? You know what Paul says? I caught you with guile, he says. You know how you have to catch this generation? With guile. He tells the Corinthians. <laughs> I caught you with guile. Just act a little bit before people. All their internals will come out. Akil Dama. <laughs> you know what Akil Dama is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just imagine, just imagine, Ray. This fellow dies. Of what? Of being hung. What comes out? Entrails. <sighs> Crazy. Okay, one thing. Have desire. Look at what it says about one lady who was delivered of demons, of perfect possession. Look at, you know that person, right? Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. Now it came to pass after that, after that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, of course, and certain women, who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene. No? All the time you go to every meeting, wherever pastor and I go, you know who is the majority of people? Women, girls, women, or all kinds of different ages. Very few men. Wow, it's very difficult to tackle men. No? But they are bent in on their ways. What takes a man to come to God? You see, that is the reason why it's so easy for women to pray. Jesus, tears come out. It's so easy. For men to cry? Oh Lord, it takes a lot. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom came what? 
Seven demons. What were they doing? And Joanna, the wife of, Sco- of Chusa, Herod Seward, and Susanna, and many others, provided for him from their substance. And how how did Mary Magdalene walk in her deliverance? Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Now it happened as they went, he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Understand that? Okay. And she had a sister Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. You know how the um, demoniac ends his life? I mean, how is it ultimate when the, the deliverance takes takes place? What happens to the demoniac? Where is, where is he found? At his feet. Exactly where? In his right mind, clothed, and his right mind at his feet. Jesus, at the feet of Jesus, and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, and what? look at what Jesus says. But one thing is needful. What is needful? One thing. One thing. Don't become alone. Don't go away from the from the flock. Don't stray. And if you stray away and away and away from the flock, it's dangerous. Seek fellowship. That's the reason I'm telling you. This is, I'm so passionate about this. You have to seek fellowship and be close to people because when you are together, you burn. And you're getting, when you get separated, you know what happens? For a for a season, you will burn. After a while, you're gone. The fire is put out. Why some of you are don't have fire? Because you slowly, deliberately, you chose not to be among the people of God. Deliberate choice. Not because the people of God are always nice. No. See, it's a spiritual reality when you are close to the fellowship. You go away from the fellowship. Dangerous. Let me show you a verse which, which in Telugu it's even more dangerous. I'm not putting it in Telugu. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 18 verse 1. I want to show you in two different translations. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 1. Let's read it together. A man who isolates himself, what does he do? Seeks his own desire. Why do you isolate yourself? Because you do not want to do the desire of God. You want to do your thing. See, why do we come to fellowship? Because for every church, God has, has a vision. Somehow, in a very incred, inter, interesting way, which I cannot even describe, because you are a part of the organic, or, or the organize, organi, organism called church, the, the, what is the, the, the head directs the church, essentially, right? That vision permeates into every part of the body. Organically, it happens. Because you choose fellowship. You understand? This is, it's a mystery. It's, it's, a, it's a mystery. See, how does the human body just uh, develop itself? You know, imagine you, it, it, it started as a zygote with 26 chromosomes. 42 chromosomes. We have 26 from each. And then it starts multiplying by dividing itself. And after a while, they become stem cells and they differentiate. How does one fellow know that I have to become a hand? How does it know? It's a mystery. We don't even know. And you know how it, how it happens? Because it's a part of the organization. Suddenly, you will start to develop and know what your calling is. Some people are supposed to be the hand. Some people are supposed to be the brain. Some people are supposed to be the eyes. Everybody finds their own part in the body of Christ. You know, because it's, it's, it's a mystery. It's organic. I can't explain it. How do I know, Vijay, that you're called into the preaching ministry? Because I just became a part of the church. And it just organically happened. I didn't, never forced myself. You understand that? Otherwise, you know what happens? A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. And you know what he does? He rages against all wise judgment. Do you see people, when they isolate themselves, you cannot talk sense to them at all? You can't. 
You can't reason with them. That is the reason why Paul says it's a mystery. It's a mystery of the church. Church is a mystery. See, I'll tell you something, no? When I was, when I graduated from Usmania, I went to, uh, to, 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 to do my master's in one of the universities in North India. Some of you know the place. I don't want to keep repeating it, okay? You, you wouldn't believe it. I applied to all universities, all the six IITs those days. I did not get even an admission in any other IIT except in Kanpur. Every door was closed. I don't know why. Not because of anything. Because there was a church which was waiting for me. Because I was running away from God. In the campus. I'll tell you something. That person whom I met on campus, one of you, I don't know if you know, is Kishan Kavala, my oh, my very, very best, very good friend with those days when we were together in, on campus. We had used to have Bible study in my, in my hostel room. That is where we actually repented of our sins. We thought we repented till then. We came back to the Lord in that fellowship. Powerful fellowship. We had three professors. Professor John, John uh, Joseph John, Professor uh, Sundar Manoharan and Shibu Clement who was, who was a PhD scholar those days. Mentoring us. In that fellowship there was fire man. We went on mission trips. We saw, we saw deliverances taking place. There was fire. We got baptized. We just came back to the Lord and we rededicated our lives to the Lord. And that those days in one of the prayer meetings like this, emotionally, he said, Lord, 22 years of my life I wasted. Lord, I want to give my life to you. He said, okay, you want to take. He took me at my word. That Kishan Kavala, that one part of the organism of the body of Christ was instrumental in me coming back to this church. It's organic. Do not run away from fellowship. You will discover your calling in the fellowship. You are like a stem cell now. Give it some time to differentiate. <laughs> it's a differentiation, okay? Even doctors use differentiation, okay? Calculus is used in medicine also, by the way. <laughs> okay. Differentiate. Now you know. Oh, I'm supposed to be the be the hand. I'm supposed to be the mouth. I'm supposed to be the eyes. I'm supposed to be the ears. I'm supposed to be the heart of the church. I'm supposed to be this part of the body of Christ. Those things which we which we don't give, uh, which we don't, which are not ostensible. Paul says they give them. You know, more protection is given. Double honor is given to those things. Don't isolate yourself. What does he do? He rages against all sound. And you know where where, where it starts? It starts here in the mind. Isolation happens in the mind. When do you decide to separate from your wife? Separation takes place several eight or nine years down the line. But the thought started today. And you're thinking and you're thinking and you're thinking. It's festering and you're festering. It's festering. Over a period of time, it's an integration of all thoughts. It's, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like uh, David, no? How David was supposed to fall because he was consistent with women. Women number one. Woman number two, several concubines, sigma woman is equal to Bathsheba. Some of all women is equal to, from 
Abigail to Bechiba, I'm sorry, one before Bechiba, n minus one is equal to Bechiba. Integration. It starts there in the mind. It starts with one thought after thought and you don't deal with that thought at the in, it, it, at its seed level and you don't crush it at the seed. It starts growing and it becomes a plant after a while. It becomes very difficult. You know what happens? Now you rage against all sound judgment. That is the reason why it, it says fierce times will come. Why? Because you isolated yourself. You rage against all sound Look at what it says. One who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound judgment. You see that? They quarrel. You talk to them about, can we reason this from the Bible? No, 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 no. no. It is. God told me, Baba. God already told me. Where? 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 We have much more sure word of prophecy. Even Peter also is not, is not depending upon a vision. Private prophecy, he says, is not for private interpretation. He says, where holy men of God who are inspired by the Holy Spirit wrote it down. Even we, we saw Jesus when we, when we saw him on the holy mountain. We saw that vision. We have also heard a voice. But our belief is not based upon that voice or that vision. But it is based upon the much more sure word of prophecy. What are you basing your life upon? Mm-hmm. That is the reason why the ultimate Ultimate, ultimate test or the proof of the resurrection is not the fact, is not the testimony of the disciples. It is the testimony of the scriptures. That is the reason why Jesus, he was born of the virgin according to the scriptures. He was, he died according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. He was risen from the dead according to the scriptures. Okay. So you saw the, the, the dwelling place of the demonic. And then, Next is the dress of the demoniac. What is the dress of the demoniac? What is the dress? No dress. What is the dress? Luke's Gospel chapter 8, verse 27. And when he had stepped out of the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in tombs. You see, we boast about not having clothes, right? This generation, I told you, no. My, my, honestly, the girls in my classroom, I had so much of respect. I said, Baba, these girls, such, I had great regard for them. Really, I'm I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, saying something which which I'm, which I've not thought through. I used to look at them and said, boy, this is, this is, they had what we call as dignity. They were not just easily available for anybody. Hmm? Think about it. I mean, I remember Navil Kureish's testimony when I was reading his book, Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus. David Wood invited him to a church service one day and he said, he looked at the worship team and he said, my goodness, he got a shock of his life. And he said, what is this worship team? The girls in Islam are much more soberly dressed than Christianity. In the name of freedom, they are talking about what kind of a dressing is this? And we are absolutely okay. I mean, we, don't, we are not even bothered. One of the things that I've, re- I've, I've, I've decided after a while, after recent visits to different different places, different, different shopping centers, I don't want to take my children. 
I don't want to talk don't, them to talk about brands. This is not nice. I compared this from this place and I compared this from this place. This is not that very good. Hello, from where are you getting that language? Where are you getting the language? This place is better than that place. Who told you? Comparison already. When I used to, I used to buy shopping in those days, I mean, I'm not saying that, suggesting that you should do that. We used to have 61% sale in Charmas. Remember? 61% sale. That is just before Christmas. And my parents used to take me all the way from Secunderabad to Abits. I was excited about the travel, but not excited about the shopping. And my mom used to say, jeans are pretty blue, right? Different, different colors, Cisco. Green, red. I said, Mama, Mama, see, different colors. And I'm not arguing with her anymore now. Dress? Those days, at least we are dressed. Now we have to say, you know, I mean, remember, he says, Jesus says, uh, did Solomon in his, all his glory, and he uses the word much more. That's exactly what we should do. When we look at women, we should say, much more. Please. Jesus looked at Adam and Eve, he said, hmm, no, no, this is not going to uh, save you from the wrath of God. I should be much more. And they boast about it. The daughter of Steve Jobs is like what? Is already like a supermodel at 23. In her dash, 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 dash. Daughter of Steve Jobs. So what? He is burning in hell and she is going to take this this girl also into hell if she is not going to repent. You boast about not wearing clothes? That's exactly what we are now. If you are. (laughs) What is this dress, huh? Grandmama. My dear brothers, we are living in dangerous times. You know, in, in Telugu it says, Tagumatrapu Basvastramul. doesn't say Takko Vastramul. No. Tagumatrapu means sober. Not less. He have different interpretations. Sagumatrapu means very less. No, no. No, no, no. It is not less. More. Men and women alike. No, when I go to the Apna Adda for coffee, they look at me like a strange fellow. Hair gone like this. And with carrots hanging from their, from their loins. I have no idea. This Exodus chapter 32. Look at what it says. Exodus chapter 32 in the KJV. And when Moses saw that the people were what? Naked. It's exactly what happens to this generation. For Aaron had made them naked. It's a compromised priesthood which has made a compromised congregation. We have no idea about the about the standards of God. They've compromised. Because they have no idea about the holiness of God. They've been not talked to by God. They don't have a confrontation with God. They have not seen the burning of God. They don't know the standards of God. And because they do not know the, don't, they do not know the standards of God, they actually do not know the grace and the kindness of God. So what do they do? Grace and kindness is for sinful lifestyle. For less clothes. My dear brothers, what are we living in? And we have to, you know, we have to really commend sisters who choose 
and say, you know what? My daughter is not going to be like this. Don't become DDLJ. You know what I'm talking about. He who has huh, ears to hear. Verse 25, look at what he says. When, pe- when Moses saw that the people were what? Unrestrained. What is nakedness? A, sp- a picture of unrestrained. For Aaron had not restrained them. Because Aaron was compromised. He was compromised. He, he says, no, 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 brother. You should not do like that. No. It's like Eli. Oh, son, what did you do? You sinned against others? Don't do it. Like this. Next time, okay? What do you should do to that, with that fellow? You know what? If you deal with them with as boys, you don't have to treat them when they become men. If you deal with them when they are boys, you will not have to treat them when they become men. Now we have all treatment centers treating men because you have never restrained them when they were kids. Understand this. People are unrestrained. Compromised priesthood. So where do you find fashion in the church? You find modesty in the world and in the church? I'll tell you something, no? So way, way time back, you know, my brother and I was discussing, he said, he said, Anna, when you see a Christian girl in skimpy clothing and you see a woman, non-Christian girl in a skimpy clothing, there's a difference when this girl who's Christian and she wears clothes, there's some kind of a spirit which is emanating from her. This is indescribable. It's rebellion. It's restraint. You know why? Because you do not have the revelation of who God is. Moses, he had revelation. He encountered God in the burning bush. He looked at the burning bush. He saw the fire of God, yet not consuming him. And he said, what is this fire? Which is burning up. It's still not consuming. It's the grace of God. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the standards of God. It's the holiness of God. I'm still not burned. You know, it's the grace of God. And therefore he fears God. But what about Aaron? Does he have such kind of a confrontation with God? Does he have a one-on-one? You know why many people in the church are so easily sliding off into sin? Because they have never been confronted by the holiness of God. Never. They've never had a personal encounter with God. Never. What they had is the knowledge of God through others, others' experiences. But they themselves never met God personally. It's a fact. I'm I'm talking about, I see people. I see people following him and I said, what is the one quintessential symptom of people who fall away so easily is because they've never been confronted personally by God. They've never encountered God. They've never searched God. They don't have the revelation of who God is. They don't have the revelation of the holiness of God. And because they don't have the revelation of the holiness of God, they don't have the appreciation for the grace of God and for the kindness of God. No, they don't have it. It's a fact. And I say that with fear. 29.18, Proverbs. Where there is no, what? Revelation. The people cast off restraint. NASB says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. You know what's going to happen? It's happening very slowly. The restrainer, who is he? The Holy the Spirit of God, he's going to be taken away and one day the man of lawlessness in all his apparent beauty will appear. 
is what it says in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. And now you know what is restraining. Who is restraining? It is not what it, that, that he may be revealed in his own time. What is restraining? The power of the Holy Spirit. Who is restraining? It is a person of the Holy Spirit. And if the person of the Holy Spirit is withdrawn from your life, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how much you try, you're gone. You're gone. You can try to be holy. You're gone. You can try to be acceptable. You're gone because the hand of God has been removed from your life. It's over. And what happens? Because there cannot be any vacuum in the spiritual, automatically the demonic comes and occupies your place. That's exactly the reason why it says the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and the evil spirit from the Lord came and started distressing him. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It's true. says, okay, there cannot be any vacuum. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The mystery of lawlessness. Boy, <laughs> the mystery of iniquity. And when I discuss with pastor, he talk, tells me so many things. I'm like looking at the world. I'm looking at what he's saying. I'm saying, Lord, what is this depth of iniquity people are getting into? They have no idea. And majority of the church has no idea at all. They're absolutely fodder for the devil. Because they, don't have, because they don't have substance. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And what happens? The moment he's taken out of the way, what happens? What happens? Immediately when he's taken out of the way, one fellow comes and occupies that position. You know the fellow? And then the lawless one, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, will be revealed. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So you saw the dress of the demoniac. <laughs> what is it? No dress. Next I'm talking about the distress of the demoniac. The dress of the demoniac, the distress of the demoniac. We're living in perilous times. We have to look at the individual level in our own personal lives. Honestly, do we have a a, what do you say, a thirst for the holiness of God? Do we have a desire for holy lives? You know why? Because it says in Peter, it says, because we see these things are happening, what manner of persons are, ought, we, ought, we, uh, ought we to be in living in all manner of holy conduct and godliness? And should one, one of the premier, what do you say, the, 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 the premier objectives of a believer is to live a pure, holy, spotless life. So strive for holiness, for strive for separation. Because he says, he who has this hope will make himself pure just as he is pure according to 1 John chapter 3. See, ultimately, your faith depends upon your hope if you were there in the Nepali service. Pastor was talking about that. What is your hope? One day I will see him. How will, how will you see him? Oh, man, holy God, judge, fiery eyes, pure God. And if I have to be with this pure God, I myself have to be what? Pure. Blessed are those who are pure, for they shall see God. Otherwise, what? Will you be able to see God, even if you try? He says, he lives in unapproachable light. Telugu, sami pincharani tejasu. Unapproachable light. So let's talk about the distress of the demoniac. The distress of the demoniac. Mark's Gospel chapter 5. 
Because he had often been bound with shackles and, shackles and chains. So now what is happening? He's given over to the sin. He's trying his level best to restrain himself and he can't. See, this is what we call as the, the law of diminishing returns. What is that? The law of diminishing returns. It is not compound interest. No, it is compounded in the other way. Exponential in the negative. You know what it means? Initially, when you take a, took a peg, one peg. Good, nice. After you finish one peg, you got a high. After a while, you become beerbal. What does beerbal means? Not an intelligent man. You're drinking a lot of beer. Beer after beer after beer. And it says, you become wise in drinking wine and mixing strong drink, it says. That is the reason why Proverbs chapter 28 will say, you know what? When you see the wine red in the glass, don't give yourself to that red wine or golden wine. No, golden, no? Golden means uh, whiskey, rum, what have you. No? Or beer. It has got froth also. <laughs> beer, no? Foam. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> I stand corrected. Hmm. <laughs> when it's there, you know what? It's, it goes smoothly down your throat, but at the end it bites like a Wiper. You know what the word for bite is? Interest. It will take your life with interest. That is the reason why one man of, man, man of God said, no? When the beer is served, it is chilled. And when it goes down your throat, it is thrilled. You are thrilled. And at the end of the thrill, you are built. And you drive down the road and you are killed. Chilled, thrilled, Build, killed. I mean, it's very interesting. Don't drink and drive. You can't even see it. <laughs> I mean, actually, I saw that for the first time. I saw for the first time when I went to US and Canada. All the highways, don't drink and, I mean, what is that? Whatever. DUI, whatever you call it. No? And intoxication. It's punishable, what have you. And you know what? Their maximum accidents do not take place because of reckless driving. It is because of drunken driving. Maximum. Because there, no, the roads are so fantastic. I mean, you have to work very hard to get an accident. Honestly. You can be in cruise control and drive with, with a, with a tapasu position. Meditation position you can put. You can't drive 10 meters in our highway to Vijayawada in cruise control. There you can sit like this. My, my friends, no? Cruise control, like meditation position. Happy. Of course, you can fall asleep also those times. But be very careful. Because you have to really work very hard to kill yourself. And there, that's it. Once you are, the accident happens, you are gone. Actually, better to kill that fellow. Otherwise, he'll sue you for the rest of your life. Hmm? <laughs> you see, need to understand this. <laughs> okay. Because he's often, look at what he says, he cannot be restrained. He's going to what is called rehab after rehab after rehab after rehab. Trying to restrain himself, but running away from every rehab. Breaking the chains of the rehab. Because something has not happened. Something does not change in the inside. You cannot change on the outside. You cannot ration your your 
whatever vice that you are accustomed to. You know, you run towards your sin. Initially, right? What happens? Now you, 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 you run for a fix. Whatever the fix is. You're so addicted and constantly your mind is thinking. Your mind is working in those, in that direction. It's bent upon that direction now. So what happens? And the chains had been pulled apart from, by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone, you know what the word for tame in Telugu is? Sadhu him. Nobody could make him a sadhu. That is the reason why we have fraud sadhu. No? Then they, what is that called? Kumbh Mela. They have sadhu, avatar, but full kumbh. <laughs> kumbhal, kumbhal, kumbh. What is that sadhu? And you can do whatever you want. You can hang yourself upside down also. I remember Sadhu Sundar Singh, this guy, he went to the North India and he was in Rishikesh. This guy was hanging on a, from the tree upside down with a rope tangled to his, to his ankle. And he was in this Sattapasya position. So Sadhu went, and went to him and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm doing Tapasya to get rid of all desire. He said, what a fool you are. He said, what do you mean? Is that not a desire to get rid of the desire, also a desire? The rope cut and he fell on his head. <laughs> you see, you can't tame yourself. You cannot. Hey, next time don't do it. You can't. You will do it. Especially with the tongue. Look at what it says in James chapter 3. For every kind of beast... Hmm, and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But man himself, he is not tamed by mankind. Especially his tongue. The distress of the demonic. This, this one I got it from a Baptist preacher. Hmm. The duration of the demoniac. <laughs> the duration is very interesting. What is his duration? Luke's Gospel chapter 8. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a man, certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. Long time. And he wore no clothes. Actually, <laughs> other translation, ESV uses the word. He was possessed with demons and did not wear clothes for a long time. ESV and NIV uses that word. This is a Steve Cowgill. This is what he says. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay and will cost you more than you want to pay. Kya baat hai? Sign it off. Put that in your spiritual pipes and smoke it. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay and will cost you more than you want to pay. And in fact, it will take your entire life out. The last blood of your life. Look at what it says in John's Gospel, chapter 5. When Jesus saw him lying there, who's this guy? Paralyzed. And knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time. You see, that is the reason why he says, Jesus told that guy when he meets him in the temple, do not go and sin anymore, otherwise something worse. You thought it started with a small thought, with a small habit, and ultimately where, you, where, did, you, where did it take you? 38 years, you're paralyzed. 
And what are you doing now? You cannot help yourself. You are you're only blaming others. Oh, this fellow didn't do this to me. This guy didn't uh, did, uh, did this to me. But you never take personal responsibility. I'm telling you honestly, I've met very few people in my life, even in this church, who came to me and said, you know what? I am personally responsible for the mess that I've made in my life. Very few people. Very few people. My, this is my sin. That is the reason why one but the it is well in my soul that stands out. You know what he says? My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. Not our sin, my fa- grandfather's sin. My sin, not in part, but the whole. Was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Even so, it is well with my soul. My sin. It is my sin. Not my, my mother's sin, not my father's sin, not my brother's sin. That is the reason why he said, not my mother, not my father, not my pastor, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Who stand? Me. It is me. Me, oh Lord. Me, 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 me. I am the reason, Lord. Me, Lord. Me, Lord. Personal responsibility. Do you want to be made well? He said, long time you are there. The point is now you have, <laughs> really? You like your sin now. <laughs> Do you really want to be made well? The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Full stop. Stop it there. Stop it. I think Jesus interrupted. Full stop it. Please, don't say any more. You know. <laughs> See, life and death is in the power of the tongue. I don't want to say tadastu. <laughs> stop it. Jesus said, What? Rise. Pick up your bed. And get out. Walk out of this place. You know what? Deliverance is actually very simple. We make it difficult because you know what? We have already made a mountain out of our problem, out of our addiction, whatever you want to call it. Perilous times, my dear brothers. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. You see, the pastor was talking yesterday when in the Bible study was telling, in the prayer meeting he was telling, no? What is restoration? What we thought about restoration? What is God restoring actually? He is restoring our relationship back to Him, Baba. So that He is preparing a bride so that we will we'll, we'll be ready for our Maker. Soon and later. He is giving us all the times we have lost in our pleasures, in our, in, our, in our vices, in our addictions, in our YouTube, in our pornography, in our lusts. Giving back all the time so that you can get your life straightened up before He comes and takes His bride. Will you be a part of the bride? Here's a question. duration of the demonic. The next one. It's the dread of the demonic. The dread of the demonic. You know what? He has no hope now. No hope. He's ready for hell. Luke's Gospel chapter 8 verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him and said with a loud voice, what have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. Have you come? Other translations, other, 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 other uh, gospels will say, "Have you come to send us torment us before our time? Because we have already decided. There is a time set for us. We are going to go to hell. But let us just not go to hell now. That is there now for us. Hell is decided. 
hell is decided. The dread, no hope. And you tell you, I'll tell you something. When you indulge with sin and with a vice, there is no hope for you. You will lose hope. The dread of the demonic. That is the reason why it says, if you keep on sinning, after you receive the forgiveness, you know what it says? There will be no more forgiveness or for, uh, for repentance, for remission for your sins, but a certain waiting of the fearful and the dreadful punishment of God. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Twelve, ten, one of those. Dread of the demoniac. This is what I want to talk about today. <laughs> I think this is interesting. What is that? The dualness of the demoniac. You see, it's very interesting that the, the, the story of the demoniac is mentioned in three places. Matthew, Mark and Luke. In Matthew, tell me, if you, if you read your Bible very carefully, how many people are mentioned? Two people. You know what man of God says? He says, it was one person with two personalities. Because he comes and worships. He faints. But deep down inside of his heart, he doesn't want God. He faints worship. But deep down inside of his heart, he does not want God. He says, please leave. I know if you were, if you're in a, if you're in a university called GTC, for some of you, it's still not university, okay? I was in a university called GTC. Different courses, practicals also. And surprises, quiz, surprise quiz also came in the, in the, in, on the way for several years. I've seen people, no? They'll say, sorry, pastor, no, pastor, no, pastor. Pastor, pastor, but that fellow doesn't want to say. They'll say, papu, papu also. And pastor once he said, don't call me papu, papu, and don't do what I say, ask you to do. You just faint. It's dualness of the demoniac. You're a multiple personality now. Look at what it says in Mark's Gospel chapter 5. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and oh, worshipped. You're living in those times. The dualness. But do you think God accepted his worship? I'm so happy with your worship. No. No. The dualness. There are a lot of people that dual. That is the reason why it says you are double-minded, dipsychos. The word for 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 uh, double-minded is dipsychos. It says cleanse your heart, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you what? Double-minded. Dual. We are a dual generation. We are one thing in church, one thing at home. We are very, very quiet, very, very calm in church, but we are tigers and lions at home. We control, we demonize, we we intimidate people. We control them. I'll tell you something. One of the things I've realized over a period of time, no? God never, ever, ever tries to control. What do you want? Healing. After he heals, think about it. After he heals, he says, you're free to do whatever you want. I've set you free. Now, you should be like Paul and say, you know what, Paul? Paul says, Lord, I'm your bond servant, Lord. I know I've, you set me free. You, you've given me, or you just liberated me from this slavery seven years. But you've been such a fantastic master, Lord. My ear belongs to you. My ear belongs to you. Goes to the, goes to the door and he says, take my ear and pierce it, Lord. Pierce it. I'm a bond servant for life. Jesus needs bond servants who have given him, themselves voluntarily to them. 
That is the reason why there are eunuchs who have been born eunuchs. There are eunuchs who have been made by men, but they have become eunuchs who have been made themselves eunuchs for the Son of God, for the kingdom of God's sake. But he who can receive this, let him receive. They have made themselves eunuchs. The dualness of the demoniac. Now let me ask you this question. How many of us really have honestly can say my worship is genuine? <laughs> what I am publicly and what I am in private also. At least, not, if not completely, at least sometimes what I am in private is what I am in public. The dualness of the demoniac. Let's go look at the past lasting. I've shown you so many things. The deliverance of the demoniac. We need to look at the deliverance, right? You see, how does the deliverance come? Or a guy who's helpless. If you ask him to repent of your sins, will he repent? <laughs> he can't. He's been taken captive by the devil to do his will. Even though there is a little bit of the will of God. Will in his, in still, in still a bit of the will. Still not touched completely. What will draw him back to God? What will draw this generation back to God? This perilous generation, this fierce generation, this angry generation, this generation which is given over to pornography, lust and drugs and sex and what have you. What will it take of God to bring them back? You know what it will take? The answer is very interesting. Mark's Gospel chapter 5. And when he got into the boat, he who had been, I like that, what is that? He who had been, that is the reason why Paul says, you know what, such were some of you. Such were some of you. Such were some of you are homosexual. Some of you are idolaters. Some of you are such were some of you. Not you have been cleansed. You have been sanctified. You have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. He who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him but said to him. Look at the words of Jesus. I love this. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion. You know what is going to bring back this generation? The compassion of God. You see, this demoniac, men could not approach him. Because he isolated himself. No, you know, people, after a while, you know, people say, this guy doesn't understand me. He doesn't understand me what I've gone through. What can I tell him? And Jesus looks at him. This guy, you know what? He looks at Jesus. From where? From far. And he's not running away from Jesus. Where is he running? Towards Jesus. Why? He looks at the compassion in his eyes. Let me tell you something, my dear brothers. You know what drew me back to God? It's the compassion. It's the goodness of God that led me to repentance. Never forget that. Never forget that. That is the reason the Bible says in Romans chapter 5. While we were ungodly, while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, while we were without strength, Christ died for us. The compassion of Jesus. Can everybody show compassion like this? No. No. You know, deliverance takes place because we know that the Lord is compassionate. He understands. Some of you might be having some problems with lust and pornography or what have you. That could be because of certain things which might have happened in your life and because of things which are beyond your control, you got hooked into it. God understands that. But you know what he says? 
You don't have to live like that. I'm here to deliver you. I'm here to deliver you. It's the kindness of God that leads me to, that leads me to repentance. If you listen to Pastor Eric now, in many of his teachings, you know what he says? Two people in my life, Pastor James and Sister Elsa, were so kind to me. Every time he mentions that, what drew me back to God is because of these two people who showed me kindness. It is the kindness of God. Compassion. Look at what it says in Lamentations chapter 3. We know this verse very well. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions, you know what the word for compassion is different from sympathy, my dear brothers. He's passionate about us. Sympathy is for you, take this five rupees and go. No. That is sympathy. You know what compassion is? Comes alongside of you. He says, you know what? I'm going to pluck you out of the arms of the devil. I'm going to stay by your side. I'm going to make you into a new person. Transform you inside out. Your life will be a miracle. And that is the reason why he looks at all these people as sheep which do not have a shepherd. And he says, the Bible says, he had what on him? Compassion upon them. They were new every morning. Thank you, you know what? Why we are alive? This, this, this morning we received fresh compassion. Fresh from the, like manna, every day in the morning. Vijay, today you are not going to die. Shane Vaughn did not see. The next day, 52 years. Can you imagine 52 years, that guy? I mean, when you look at him, that fellow is so healthy. I don't know, I mean, at least he looks healthy. Only cricketers can get away with smoking, I think. I don't know. <laughs> You should see the, even the cricketer, you know, you don't have to be really super fit for doing it, for being a cricketer. You know that, right? You should see the exercises of a cricketer and the exercises of a footballer. Cricketer's exercise. This is exercise. Cricketer's exercise. Have you seen footballer's exercise? This is footballer's exercise. Two rounds. Ah, enough. Finished warm up over. Have you seen boxers? You know what uh, Mohammed Ali said when he was running for the last time, the last bout before when he was reaching 40, he was running and running five miles over his target. And he said, You know what? After five miles, his entire body was aching and he was crying and said, Ali, stop. And you know what he says? The mind says, One more mile, one more mile, one more mile. And he ran. Of course, that is. Just going away from the topic, okay? Understand this. It's the compassions of God. We do not consume us today, this morning. Shane Vaughan did not see the day, the light of the day. You think we are any better? I remember the nano, you know, that had an issue. So, because it's nano, I could nicely push it like a like an auto and get it off to the church office. And I was pushing it you know, on the road. I was nicely, slowly uh, driving it, I mean, steering the wheel and I was getting out. And one guy saw me on the road and he looked at me and he said, man, what are you doing? I said, what am I doing? What are you doing with a car like this? You might just fall with a heart attack and die. People of your age are dying. I mean, I looked at him and I was a little insulted initially. Okay. <laughs> and then I said, you know what? What he says is true. What does he say? 
what is the guarantee? People are having heart attacks when they are 32, 33, 34. 32, 31. Men's hearts failing them for fear. It's interesting when yesterday pastor was praying, you know what he says, none of us will die of a heart attack. And I was finding it so ironical by the end of the day, one guy had to die of a heart attack. Whoa, well, I was like, Lord, do you have? This is crazy. You should listen to Esther's teaching. He was fired up. They are new every morning. So what should you do every morning? Come back to Jesus every morning. Run to Jesus every morning. Repent of your sins every morning. And say, Lord, a fresh start every day. Just do it with a straight, clean start with a clean slate every day in the morning. Look at what he says to Jonah in Jonah chapter 4. Then said to the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the goat? For the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not spare or have mercy or have compassion? The greatest revival is not in the old in the New Testament, it's actually in the Old Old Testament. Do you know that? And they say that the Assyrian Christians actually are a descendants of the Ninevites who repented. The Assyrian church. There is an Assyrian church. You know Sam Shimon, right? He's an Assyrian. That great city which had more than 6,000 persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. Cannot have compassion. And what? Because of the compassion of God, what happened? There was a tremendous revival and repentance. The deliverance of the demoniac. You know what? You know what? The deliverance will only be true and continuous unless you do not do, I mean, if you do not do, I mean, it will be continuous if you do the next thing. Mark's Gospel chapter 5 and verse 15 onwards. <clears throat> Then they came to Jesus and saw the one, you know, they be, he was a dual guy. Now he has become what? One. I like that. I like that. He was a dual man. Now he has become what? One. Hmm? Saw the one demon possessed and had the legion sitting. What is that? Rest. Clothed. Clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. And in his right mind. Mind which has been transformed. So what should we do every day morning? Sit. Clothed. And ask God for a right mind. How do we do that? Romans chapter 6. I'm going to stop. Do you know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one slaves whom you obey. Whether sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked. Everybody say that. Thank, thank you, Jesus. You know what? This is what I love it. Huh? Though you were once slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of teaching which was delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became what? Slaves of righteousness. So what do you do now? Demoniac says, Lord, I want to go wherever you take me. Wherever you take me. Wherever you take me. So from the demoniac, what does he become? Then he becomes a deliverer, ultimately. No? That's a promotion you get. Now we are not going to talk about this deliverer. We know this guy, he goes to the ten cities and he preaches the gospel and he, and he possibly converts a lot of people to Christ. But you know what? There were some people who wanted to become a part of this, of this trip. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command. What? To depart from the? To onto the? What is on the other side? 
You know what is on the other side? On the other side, there was a man who was awaiting to receive compassion. Then a certain scribe came. <laughs> scribe, what compassion, Baba? Man was, who came away from Jerusalem to Jericho, remember? You looked at him from far and you ran for your life. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has no place in your heart to lay his head. What are you going to come along with me? Full of knowledge, but no heart. Out. And Jesus said to him. Then another said, Lord, let me first. Enough. It's over. The moment you said, let me first, it's over. I think you should, let me first full stop, actually. You're already living in tombs. With the tombs. You are going to come and deliver a guy who's living in tombs. <laughs> Stay there. You want to be a person who was a deliverer in the hands of God? And what Jesus says, pick up your cross and deny yourself. How long? Daily. And follow after me. Then, then, then you will truly know how to show compassion. So this morning, living in perilous times, my dear brothers, you don't have to, <laughs> I think we, we are absolutely sure now. This, this is apocalyptic. We only heard about the Second World War. We heard, we saw possibly memorials of the Second World War. We may have uh, gone to Auschwitz and would have seen those places. But you know what's happening now? Right now in front of our eyes. Things are happening. We are living in those perilous times. Question is, are you going to be a deliverer in God's hand? Or you will still be in that position where God has to come and help you. Will you join the Lord's army? Issachar. Remember? David was, going to, was there in the, in, the, in the cave in Adullam. And I think he was in Jerusalem. And different kinds of people are coming and joining David now. From different, different tribes. And every person who comes and joins David, he makes a statement. The sons of Issachar come. You know what they say? It says about sons of Issachar, they had the ability to what? To understand times. And they had 40,000 people at their command. A part of David's army. Do you have the understanding of times? God says, all hands on the deck. <laughs> Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you. We are living in perilous times. And we are still dual-minded people. Double-minded. There's a dualness in us, inside of each one of us. Thousands upon thousands, your word says, in the valley of decision. But the day of the Lord is already near and we still haven't made up our mind. We are vacillating between two opinions. We are divided in our minds, O oh Lord. There is duality in ourselves. If there is duality, how can you find a people who are priests of the Most High God who will stand before between the altar and the porch and cry out for your people? 
How will you find Lord? If there is dualness inside of my own mind, in my own heart. When I've been divided in my heart and in my mind. Lord, this morning, circumcise our hearts. Circumcise our hearts. Enable us to get rid of that duality. And let us say along with Apostle Paul, this one thing I will do, forgetting those things which are behind, with a single-minded determination to follow God. And follow hard after you. To fast, to pray, to seek you intentionally, O Lord. As we heard yesterday. What about our homes? Are they divided? What about our finances? Are they scattered? What about my prayer life? Is it concerted? How about my word life? Is it intentional? And is it with intensity? Crave this in our hearts this morning, Lord. Write it by the finger of the Holy Spirit in the tables of our heart and our minds. And cause us to walk in your ways, lest we forget the compassions that we have received from God. Oh, Lord. Unite our hearts to fear your name. Make us one. Enable us to become gatherers and not scatterers. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths as to how to prepare for the last days that are coming before us. Enable us to stay close to you and close to the body of Christ. Becoming an organism, organic part of the body of Christ. Never isolate ourselves from your call, from our calling. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. Commit all of us into your hands. We commit this evening's Q&A, tomorrow's worship service, if you choose to come to give us a day in the land of the living. Oh, Lord. Father, let there be a hastening in our spirit. Father, an intentionality, oh, Lord, Father, in seeking your ways and 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 urgency, O oh Lord, a sense of urgency create in us, O oh Lord. We can't do it in our own selves. We can't whip it up. Otherwise, it will be only froth. Have mercy upon us, O oh Lord. Watch over your church. Enable us to stay close to you. Close to the body. Close to the teaching. Close to the authorities that you place us under. Because the adversary is like a roaring lion seeking to devour people who just go astray. But you said, O Lord, resist him, standing firmly in the faith. And therefore this morning we humble ourselves under the almighty hand of God, casting all our cares upon him because he cares for us, knowing that one day he will exalt us in due time. Till that day, O Lord, enable us to walk and submit to the process that you have have for each one of us. Not resist the process, 
but go about the process. The process through which the character of Christ is formed inside of each one of our hearts. Therefore, O Lord, commit each one of us into your hands. Let your hand rest upon each one of us in the church. Keep us, O Lord. Keep us. Keep us. We don't trust in our own self, O Lord. We trust on you and the keeping power of God. Because your word says we are kept by the power of God until the day of salvation. So therefore, keep us, O Lord, by your power until the day of salvation. To that end, I pray that you would encourage, exhort each and every one of us that we will seek hard after you, even in these perilous times. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name, Amen.